Welcome to Canucks Corner. This is Aaron Lane, and this is a podcast in which I get to tell you all about the Vancouver Canucks. I'll tell you some Canucks news. I'll tell you how the Canucks did in the last week, maybe where they stand in the standings. And then I've picked a specific game to watch and analyze so that I can let you know exactly how the Canucks did in that game. Then I'll take a look at the week to come, give my predictions for where I think that will go, and that's the podcast. So, let's get started. The pregame show. This is part of the podcast where I get to tell you about what's happened with the Canucks in the last week and any news that they might be having and where they might sit in the standings. So let's get to it, shall we? On Thursday, October 26th, the Vancouver Canucks hosted Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. That is my special game this week. So I'll tell you this much. My prediction was that Ovechkin would gain his powerful scoring touch again that he had in the first couple games, and Washington would beat the Canucks handily. I think I said maybe 2 nothing. All right, so that was the prediction. We'll find out what happened in game time. And then we had Monday, October 30th. The Stars were in town to face the Canucks, and clearly the Dallas Stars were a team that was playing well and probably maybe even the best team we've played this season. Overall, they were quick, they were hard to battle with, and they had some really good scoring chances, and it looked in some situations that the Canucks were, weren't going to be able to keep up, but they did. It was one of the best games. No, I would say, you know what? I would say, as far as both teams were concerned, it was the most exciting game and the most entertaining game that the Canucks have played all season. All season, all like 10 games or whatever. But no, I mean, it was that third period was just back and forth. And then the overtime was back and forth. It was, it was just an exciting game. And this was, again, not a game that would have happened under Willie Desjardins. Desjardins would have kept things defensive, would have kept things tight, wouldn't have opened things up for fear of losing terribly, I guess, and would have been happy to lose one nothing in a tight game. But not Travis Green. Coach Green, got to give you credit. You opened it up. It was 1-1, went into overtime. It ended up being 2-1 as the Stars scored on a back-and-forth, back-and-forth situation. Canucks had awesome chances, both in the end of the third period and in overtime. Stars had great chances. It was just an exciting game. Very cool. So if you had a chance to see that one, that was that was a good game to watch. Too bad that wasn't my game of the week. But no, that was pretty awesome. And even though we lost, we got that point, And it was a great game. So if you're going to lose, you're going to want a game like that because your guys are still playing really well and they're still looking really good and progressing as players. And I forget which game it was, but Brandon Sutter in one of these games had this really awesome face-off percentage. It was like, at one point in the game, it was 17 wins out of 20 face-offs, which... Yeah, you get pretty happy if you can get 55%. (laughs) You get up towards 85%, that's incredible. So I forget which game that was. I think it might have been the Stars. So that was really neat. Vertanen is getting used to playing with the Twins, and they are making the most of the time that they have out there, having a lot of fun, doing a lot of neat things, but still not doing that well in the power play, I'm afraid. Besser got back into this game or the next game. Anyway, Besser missed a game in there somewhere. And when he came back, he was playing quite well for most of the game. Yeah, sorry. It was against New Jersey that I have a couple thoughts about how Besser played. (laughs) 
but Barchi and Horvat again has been playing together. They've looked really sharp. A lot of pressure on the puck. Even Vanek is 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 out there looking pretty strong, back checking. It's surprising. I when the I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna say this team reminds me of the nineteen eighty two Vancouver Canucks. Now, I'm not at all saying that they're going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals and get beaten four straight by the New York Islanders or anything crazy like that. What I'm seeing here is I'm seeing a bunch of guys who aren't expected to do much. And they're just giving it all they got. And given that they're giving it all they got, they're finding some success. And then that builds confidence. And then that confidence leads to more success. And they've got enough talent and enough chutzpah in like Dorset and stuff to actually maybe not completely suck this year. <laughs> At least not yet. I know I've said a bunch of stuff about it, but I that's the impression you get. And, and again, I mean, I don't think we have a line like Thomas Gardeen and Stan Smeal and Kurt Fraser. I don't even think we have defensemen like Kevin McCarthy and Harold Snaps. Or, yeah, we certainly, both of our goalies are good, but neither one of them is a King Richard. At least they haven't shown it yet. So, yeah, I mean, there's some... We called them the lunchbox gang in 82, right? The guys, they're just blue-collar guys who went to work every night and gave it everything they had. And they would drive Wayne Gretzky crazy. Like the Edmonton Oilers, the team in the in the early 80s that had, I think, like seven Hall of Fame players on it. The Canucks were the, was the team they hated to play because the Canucks, even though they'd probably lose... They would never roll over. They would never quit. And they were a grind to play against. They just kept coming at you. And I think if this year's Canuck Canuck team can do that, can take that model and run with it, and I think Travis Green is the coach to, to make that happen, then I think we have a team that, while doing the soft rebuild, is at least going to have some competitive nights, is going to have some, some exciting games, and in the end may not may not make the playoffs, but you're going to see some good stuff on a regular basis, which was frankly more than I gave this team credit for at the beginning. So it's nice to see at this point, but we're 10 games in, so let's not go crazy here and start jumping to all sorts of conclusions. Anyway, that was just a thought off the top of my head. The Canucks end up playing New Jersey and New Jersey beats them 2-0. Actually, it's 1-0 on an empty net goal. Wasn't as good a game as Dallas, but the Canucks were unfortunate not to tie the game. They had several really good opportunities. I think there was two opportunities that the Canucks had right in the slot, right in front of Corey Schneider, who is a net for the Devils, and one one shot I think just went straight into his chest. The other shot missed the net, and that's what I have to say about that game. I don't know how many times the Canucks shot the puck from good position, and it missed the net completely. It missed the players in front of the net. It missed the goalie. It missed the net, the bar, the post. It just missed everything, and as a result, most of the time we lost our scoring chance. Didn't pick up the puck off the boards or anything and made another chance. That I think that's something that Coach Green has to has to focus on now. The Canucks aren't a team that's going to be picking corners. They don't have that level of of talent. So it's time for them to bear down, start putting it low, just above the ice, for deflections, for rebounds off the pads. Almost all goaltenders are going butterfly now. 
So you're going to get a lot of rebounds off those pads. And just with guys in front being ready to deflect or put in rebounds, if half of the shots that the Canucks took that went wide hit the net in some fashion, I almost guarantee you we would have at least tied that game. So that was Canucks in New Jersey. So New Jersey did finish that one up 2-0. And New Jersey, probably even better team right now than Dallas, uh, as they are now like 9-2. and And sorry, yeah, the Canucks are now 6-4-2. and They've gotten past the 10-game the mark. Oh, and that reminds me, it is November 2nd, 2017. So that's where we are. The game against the Devils was Wednesday, November 1st. So yesterday, seems like forever ago already. And that's it for the week. It was just a three-game week. I had expected the Canucks to lose to Washington. I had expected the Canucks to lose to the Stars, which they did. I expected the Canucks to come back to beat the Devils, but they didn't. (laughs) So I'm one and one. One correct guess, one not-so-correct guess. And now we have to find out how my guess of Washington beating Vancouver went in our special game coming up in the game time part of our program. But first... It's time to take a look at the Vancouver Canucks News of the Week. To be honest, the Canucks News of the Week is basically just a bunch of the Utica players coming up and then going back down again. Jason Megna actually played, I think, the the game against the Devils. Oh, and I promised you a, a comment about Brock Besser in that Devils game. He didn't look completely on, and it showed in the way that he took shots and kept hitting guys with the shots. And there was a Devils chance or even a Devils goal. I think it was, I think it was the game-winning goal when Besser had it in front of the net in the slot, and he took two shots and both of them were blocked and then the puck went the other way and the devil scored i I recall that this was besser not really getting the puck on net most of the game i mean he was trying and i give him total credit for that and he was skating hard and he was checking hard and that that part of his game was fine but his shot selection i think was off and again on the power play he's playing close to the net he's playing on that that bottom part of that of that diamond shape and it's still kind of odd that they're going to give Pouliot that top shot oh they gave they actually had Gagne working down on the side boards on one of the power plays and I and I I, I just applauded that cuz that's where he should be he shouldn't be at the point as far as I can tell anyway that's Besser's news in that game. Good game with the exception of shot selection. And I think he forced a couple of shots that he shouldn't have forced. There you go. Anyway, back to Utica with Gauntz is in Utica for a conditioning stint. Castles is back down to Utica after his injury that he had earlier. And I said Magna played up here. I think Magna is going to stick with the Canucks. But who was it? Rodine came up for a bit and went back down. And... And it was Shapu. Shapu came up for a bit and then went back down. So, yeah, they just keep bouncing these players back and forth just to fill some slots for injuries and that sort of thing. Make sure that the Canucks have enough players just in case. But they're not really getting getting any ice time. But strangely, they're not getting any ice time necessarily in Utica either as there's this weird rule that they can only have so many veterans in their game roster and a veteran i guess is is a player that's played a certain amount of nhl games that unfortunately most of the guys that i just mentioned are in that category and as a result like rodine has only played in like three games this year for utica so yeah it's a bit of a problem that they're not again it's the vanek and gagne problem right? Because we picked these guys up, they're taking spots that we now need to use for these guys that 
aren't allowed, like Rodine or Chapu, who should now be on the Canucks and not taking up spots in Utica. Anyway, that is, in fact, the Canucks news for the week. There's really not a lot there. And now we can just look at the standings. So the Canucks right now are in a logjam at third place behind the Kings at 19 points, the Knights, the Golden Knights at 16, and then San Jose, Vancouver, and Calgary at 14 with Anaheim right behind at 13. McDavid's Oilers having a rough start to the season, only seven points so far, and Arizona where everyone expected them to be down at um, three points. (laughs) So... Yeah, Arizona going with uh, Team Tank, I guess. Hashtag Team Tank. Anyway, there we go. So that is the week in Canucks news. That is where the Canucks stand in the standings and how the Canucks did this week. So looks like we're on to see what happened against Washington. Game time. This is part of the program where I get to tell you about a specific Vancouver Canucks game that happened this week and analyze how it all went down. This one was the Washington Capitol at Vancouver. It was October 26, 2017, and Holtby was in net for the Caps, and Nielsen was in net for Vancouver. So, we have the first period. Besser gets a pass from Horvat, because Horvat was behind the net doing his thing, pushing up against the boards, winning the puck, and he gets the puck out to Besser. Besser shoots, but it either gets just deflected or it goes it goes passed and missed the net so it was a good chance but didn't see any fruit from that labor and then we have several minutes of just back and forth as the teams sort of get used to each other and see what type of game it's going to be nobody really pushes too hard either way then Granlin gets a good shot off a rush from his own zone that was nice to see Granlin stretches skates a little bit just to see how he'd uh, zip on through and he did a pretty good job not a great shot like We totally expected it was going to be a goal, but a good effort. Then we had Besser passing to Barchi. It was uh, a beautiful backhanded no-look pass, and ultimately it draws a slashing penalty as the defenseman just couldn't let Barchi have a clear opportunity there and gave him a good slash. So we got our first power play of the night. Vanek unfortunately had some bad passes to get the power play rush going. He was under a little bit of pressure, and he didn't make the greatest choices. But eventually, they get into the zone. Gagne is on the sideboards this time, and that's way better. He only They only get one shot, and it's, and it's a shot from Gagne on the side. So that's pretty good. At least they're giving that a shot, and I really support that. And Let's get some other people at the point. And Gagne probably has the skills and the passing where being on the side is going to be a pro, probably a better spot for him. I did notice something that really bothered me. It's bothered me for a while. It's the lollygagging to the bench for line changes. When they stop skating 30 feet away from their bench, when they're the far bench and they stop skating at the far blue line and coast from the blue line across center ice to their door, I'm sorry guys, but I don't care how tired you are, but you get your butt to the bench so that we don't end up with a too many men penalty. Or at least to get the guy on the ice faster so we don't get caught in a, on a line change. The whole thing. Because, man, I'm telling you, that's Bush League stuff. When you're, you're not pushing it to the bench. It's not NHL material. So go ahead and get your butt to the bench. Then you can rest. Don't coast on in. That's all I'm going to say about that for now. Granlund made a good back check. 
and caused a turnover. So Granlin's having a good start to the game. The power play, sorry, was, was over and, and we only had the one shot. Uh, 13 minute mark, Nielsen makes probably his best save of the period, certainly his best, the, the best save up until that point. And then Bermistroff keeps it in, in the Washington zone and then gets it to Gagne. Gagne, I think he takes a shot. Vanek gets the rebound and Vanek puts it home. So Vanek scores to start off the game from Gagne and Bermistroff. <sighs> okay, I've given these guys some trouble. In fact, I think I just said they shouldn't be on the team to allow guys like Rodin and Chapu into the in, onto the team, and they go and score the first goal. So, all right, fine, whatever. If they're going to be on the team, let them produce like this. So that was nice. it. Was nice for for all three of them to get to get a point here. So anyway, so after that, Sutter draws another penalty. So we're on the power play again. And then Horvat scores from Barchi and Besser. It was great. It was a really nice goal. A no-look between legs pass. Barchi, I guess he must have been happy with the pass he got earlier. And these guys are having some fun tonight. Guess, guess whose stick was on the ice? Yeah, so that's... And, and if the stick wasn't on the ice, it probably wouldn't have been a goal. It probably would not have been able to fire it quick enough to accept the pass. To get the puck immediately into the net so yeah no that's uh that's the way to get things done and then down two nothing washington tries to goad gabranson into a penalty smith pelly makes a jerk of himself and basically just keeps pushing on on gabranson probably should have got a penalty himself for just being unsportsmanlike that is smith pelly but gabranson would not go and that was cool it was nice to see him play smart there and then before the period was up Granlin gets rewarded for his good play and he scores pass from Dorset. so that was pretty awesome it was also noted that Dorset currently has more assists than Ovechkin <laughs> so almost as many goals too so Dorset is clearly our Ovechkin <laughs> but nice to see uh, Granlin get the goal second period the Canucks are up three nothing everything's looking pretty darn good Vanek, Horvat, Granlund. We're happy. The second period starts with a huge block by Tanev. He kind of turned his whole body around on the ice so that his butt was facing the uh, the shooter. And he kind of made a skate save by putting his skate up a bit. Nielsen makes a big save after that off of a two-on-one. So Nielsen's still in the game. Gagne later was up against the boards and battling hard and he actually won the the board battle and got the puck so everyone's just just playing hard and it's working out Gabranson I think he was coming up through the neutral zone Connolly was trying to come down the boards and Gabranson just squished him just crushed him that was that was pretty sweet Sedins and Vertanen almost get a goal here they're playing really well passing around the puck quite quite nicely does remind me of oh man if this was just a couple of years ago when Burroughs was playing with with this I think Vertanen has starting to get that same sort of sense of where to be and and how to push when he's playing with with Daniel and Henrik because they're getting they 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 are scoring some and they're getting close in some other chances so that's really nice for Vertanen to to really get good offensive vision and that only comes from experience playing with guys like the Sedin or maybe just your built with it from the get-go anyway Gabranson later gets a shot and there's a rebound right right in front of the net the Canucks are just playing with confidence everything is you know the Canucks are pushing 
everything looks really really strong and then vanek gets a breakaway gets in behind the guys gets the pass takes off but he misses the shot a little bit later chorney trips horvat against the boards and so we got another power play in this case delzado gets a chance right off the beginning of the power play and holtby has to make a great save to stop that daniel is setting up on the sideboards like Gagne, not in the corner. So we get to see this. Well, Henrik, I think, ended up in front of the net, which was a weird place for him. But nevertheless, we see a difference in the way that Eve Deans are playing the power play now. And then, surprise, surprise, there's another power play goal. Besser to Pouliot off Barchi's skate, and it's a goal. Okay, way to go, guys. All right, nice to see, even though Besser is playing the spot close to the goalie. At least he's he's setting up some plays and this one works out. So we're up four nothing. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. Smith Pelly gets a breakaway and then runs into Nielsen. So at least no goal there. Gagne is a little bit of a cross check. Like just, you, you know how it is when you push somebody away from you. And they decide to call it a cross check because, well, the Canucks are up four nothing. <laughs> so referees have been known to call marginal penalty when a team's up for nothing especially the Canucks so there you go so we've got a shorthanded opportunity Dorset makes the play up the boards right off the glass clears it out but then you Tanev refusing to use the glass and trying to just push it along the boards and no go it gets stopped and it stays in the stays in the zone Bo gets a shorthanded chance but he had this very conservative shot he it was clear he didn't want to press and then end up getting caught down ice, even though they were up for nothing. But then the most surprising thing happens. Dorset ends up with the puck behind the net, and he swings around the net, wraps it around, and scores a goal. It's 5 nothing as Dorset scores. Holtby's out. The backup comes in. I didn't even get his name. Holy smokes. 5 nothing. Looks like my prediction of a Capitals win is out the door. And down the back 40. <laughs> it's, it's, it's done. But it's not going to be a perfect game. Up 5 nothing. Kuznetsov ends up getting a goal to make it 5-1. to one. Meh. Off of... An Ovechkin shot, gets the rebound, scores the goal. Okay, that's all right. Whatever. 5-1. to one. The Canucks are still on this thing. Last thing before the end of the second period. Vertanen actually makes a great defensive play to block a shot. You're up 5-1. to one. You're still putting your body in harm's way. That's the right thing to do. Vertanen is, is learning. So, third period. Gagne. Again, Gagne's name comes up. This time it's a slap shot on 2-1. and one which unfortunately misses the net. But again, it's showing that he's jumping up into the play. He's looking for offensive chances. He's really got confident, and he's using that confidence as best he can. Biega stepping up against Wilson. Wilson was making trouble, and Biega was willing to just go with him. But I think Wilson is a bit above Biega's pay grade. And who takes Wilson? Gabranson. And that was a good idea by him. Wilson just, he wasn't he wasn't going to leave until he got a fight. So Gabranson goes ahead and eventually ends up fighting him. But Wilson gets two for a cross-check, that he cross-checks Gabranson to get him to fight him. And then two for instigating, five-minute fighting, ten-minute misconduct. So Wilson ends up with 19 minutes for that altercation, which he totally deserved. 
So we end up on the power play. We're up again 5-1 to one in the third period. Sedins and Vertanen get the first opportunity on the power play. Meh. It was not so great. Again, the Sedins look like they're not sure how to finish anymore. That they get the puck around and they're moving around pretty well. But they're just not... They just don't have that extra step or that extra movement which they had before, which allows them so that they can get around the stick that they have to get around or around the player that they have to get around. And they're using up most of their energy up against the boards, getting hold of the puck. And it's taking up too much of their energy so that when they need that final spurt to go ahead and do that last thing can set up the goal, they just don't have that energy and they don't have it. So yeah, it doesn't end up working out very well until the Sedins are on the bench and Barchi, Bo, and Besser are on the ice. So Bo gets a shot from Besser. Barchi's there for the rebound, knocks it in. It's 6 to 1. <laughs> Man, what a game for these guys. They're just on the top of the world and they are playing tough. They are in the right places, scoring places. They're just getting it done and they got a nose for the net right now. And it's just, it's working out. A little bit later, after the goal, Gagne gets a tripping call. Monovi, really a bad penalty for Gagne at that point. There's no reason to, to take that penalty. So shorthanded, Ovechkin's getting frustrated. And I forget who it was up against the boards, but uh, Canuck ended up up against the boards and Ovechkin just ran straight at him from like 20 feet away. The Canuck was already up against another Washington player and Ovechkin sandwiched him and he gets a charging penalty. It was just dumb frustration really. In, in a game that was pretty much over. So we get a minute 30 of four on four. And then Biega gets two minutes for holding. Okay, fine, whatever. Biega played a good game. This He played a solid game. He played an aggressive game when necessary. He's not a guy that I expect is going to be a top four defenseman, but if he keeps playing this way, he could stick in the top six quite quite easily for quite some time because he's doing a, he's doing a good job doing what he needs to do to help the Canucks move the puck and just to be in the mucking in the places he's to muck to get the job done. So I gave Biega props for his overall gameplay against Washington here. In fact, I didn't see a Canuck on the ice that really didn't have a decent game, if not a great game. So yeah, no, this was this was an excellent Canucks. We have another shorthanded situation due to Biega. Tanev makes a great sliding block again. Up 6-1, to one, Tanev putting his body in harm's way. Nielsen makes some really good saves. And then finally, Washington gets their second goal. They get it with Stevenson off the pad and in. That was actually his first NHL goal. And he's an Australian dude. So it was the first goal by an Australian-born NHL player. And then I think it was an assist, the first NHL assist for another one of the Washington guys. So they're kind of joking, okay, who's going to get this puck now? Because it was Stevenson's first goal. And it's historically important because of the first Australian situation. So I think he's probably going to end up getting the puck. And the dude who got his first assist will just have to wait until he gets his first goal, I guess. So, yeah, that's pretty much how the game wraps up. The Canucks win 6-2, to two, and they look really good doing it. Again, we see the difference. Sedin's taking a back seat, helping Vertanen learn how to play. But Barch, Besser, and Bo Horvat, the killer bees out there getting the job done, looking good doing it. So clearly, 
we're starting to see we're starting to see the start of what we're going to see that these young guys will be our leaders and will be our top producers as we go forward as they are just learning the trade of being in the right place at the right time and pushing hard and working hard to get into that right place so you can be there at the right time keeping their stick on the ice taking the man dumping the puck in doing all the right things getting in front of the net hitting the net with shots take the shot keep your stick on the ice take the man all the best these guys are getting it done so obviously in this game Besser did play and I think it was the next game against Dallas and then came back for the the New Jersey game maybe I can't remember but anyway but this game great game and again after this game a lot of Canucks fans came out and said Stanley Cup here we come but clearly no (laughs) this is just it was a good game at a good time against a team that wasn't ready to play and we got the job done as it needed to be done and that's really all that needed to be done so good job Canucks well played so let's see what's going to happen in the week to come the post game show this is the part of the program where I get to tell you all about the Canucks week to come What's ahead for the Canucks and what are my predictions for those games? So this is going to be a big week. I'm going to take this one from Saturday to Saturday and there are like five games. So this will be one of those make it or break it weeks for the Canucks as they say. And unfortunately I think it's going to be a bit of a break. I was 4-4 four and four coming into this week I think with my predictions. I didn't get it right on the first game against Washington. I got it right on Dallas didn't get it right on New Jersey, so I went one and two. So I believe I'm five and seven. Nope, five and six. I can do math. All right, five and six. So we'll see if I can get back to 500 at least as a result of this week. Saturday, we play Pittsburgh. I think everyone knows where that's going. <laughs> I think Pittsburgh just beat Edmonton in overtime, I think. They are currently eight, five, and two. And yeah, I think that they're going to go ahead and take the win against the Canucks there. Monday, November 6th, we've got the Red Wings return against Vancouver. The Red Wings 6-7-1. and one. I think they're going to want revenge on the Canucks. Question is, are they going to get it? Well, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they've got a rest of a day. You know what? I think the Canucks will take this one. I think the Canucks will have the one against the Red Wings. They'll lose against Pittsburgh. And then on Tuesday, the day after, we've got November 7th. Vancouver and Calgary. So I think it should be Markstrom against Detroit and then Nielsen against Calgary. I actually think that they're going to beat Calgary. So I think we're going to have back-to-back wins against Detroit and then against Calgary. Then we'll come up on Thursday against the Ducks. Here is where I think we falter. The Ducks are going to take this one. They're only 6-5-1 and one right now, but I think they're still, <laughs> they've still got enough Ryan Kessler in them to feel they got to really challenge the Canucks, and I think they're going to go ahead and do that. And then we see San Jose Sharks on Saturday, and so I guess technically it's eight, so five games. I think San Jose takes the game. They're 7-5-0. I think they take the game against Vancouver. They're just another one of those teams that Vancouver has trouble historically, and I don't think that's going Saturday. So we're going to lose against Pittsburgh, we're going to lose against the Ducks, and we're going to lose against San Jose. And we'll take wins against Detroit and Calgary back to... If I were going to put numbers to this, more and more useless. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to say 4-1 to one for Pittsburgh, 3-2 to two for Vancouver over Detroit, a 2-1 to one score against Calgary, 
for Vancouver. The Ducks are going to also edge us out 3-2. to two, And then San Jose, they're going to beat us 3 nothing. So those are my expectations for the week to come. That would be two wins and three losses, which wouldn't be the worst record. That would give us an 8-7-2 and two record. Maybe one of our losses might be an overtime loss. So 8-6-3, and three, still not a bad record. So I, th- this is going to be a tough week and we could really lose four of these games and it could be really rough or we could win two or three of the games and it could be a pretty good week so we'll just see what happens but i'm looking forward to this week it's going to be exciting a lot of games to play and a lot of games to watch well a lot of games to play for them a lot of games to watch for me (laughs) and you guys so i guess that's about it what can i say but what i always say at around this time during the podcast keep your stick on the ice This has been Aaron Lane for the Canucks Corner Podcast. If you would like to find me, I'm Canucks Corner on Facebook, at Canucks underscore Corner on Twitter, or email me at Canucks Corner Pod. That's Canucks Corner Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.